Happy Thanksgiving, Shameless Picture Show listeners. Michael here to give you a little bit of introduction to this episode because it's a little different than normal. It's the same fun banter back and forth that you've come to expect from the show, and it's really exciting because we got Nick Richards back on the show for the next two episodes. But with everything going on, with the holiday and the fact that when this episode drops, it's going to be Black Friday, I work retail for my day, for my day job, and things got a little hectic. So, uh, you're going to notice with the audio on this episode, uh, it's edited for content. Strange. I didn't have time to edit this episode this week. So, we're it's actually going to be the audio from the Shameless Picture Show Picture Show version that goes up on YouTube through Midshore Community Media's YouTube channel. Uh, so, all the curse words and any questionable content have all been bleeped out or cut out. Um... We actually want to give a great thanks to Nick, as he's the one who cut this specific episode. So it's got a nice, fun vibe. He always has a slightly different take on the way the episode should be cut, and always pulls some from some really cool pop culture references. Um, once again, the echo is still present. Uh, my current recording studio does not have a whole lot in it, so there's going to be a bit of an echo in the next couple episodes. And for that, I apologize, but... Um, I'm really happy with this episode. Uh, the next two episodes I actually really like. So thanks for your patience, guys, and enjoy the episode. This week's episode is brought to you by the world premiere of Sickening Pictures' upcoming release, Powerbomb. Powerbomb is the story of an independent wrestler on the verge of breaking into the big time, but he's contemplating leaving it all behind to spend more time with his family. When our wrestler's biggest fan hears the news, he decides to take matters into his own hands to ensure that his champion gets to the top by any means necessary. The film stars Lucha Underground's own Matt Cross, Wes Allen, who is a friend of the show, Ronnie Jonah, and Women of Honor's Britt Baker. The film is directed by the duo of Zach Schildwachter and VJ Colangelo. Powerbomb premieres at 7pm on Thursday, December 6th at the Capitol Theater in Cleveland, Ohio. For ticket information, please visit www.clevelandcinemas.com and support independent cinema. Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, corpse grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and grab yourself a copy of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, Body Melt, Wonder Woman, Ice Cream Man, Christmas Evil, Dolomite, or my favorite, the Wisconsin Blood Trilogy of Blood Beat, Blood Hook, and the upcoming Blood Harvest. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Today's episode of The Shameless Picture Show is sponsored by Mill Crete Entertainment. Mill Crete is the industry leader when it comes to value-priced DVD and Blu-ray features and compilations. They have one of the largest catalogs out there, ranging from kids' programming, classic films and television, independent cinema, documentary, and Latino cinema. Hell, they even produce their own content in-house. Mill Crete is a trusted partner with some of our favorite studios, including Sony Pictures, Walt Disney Entertainment, Warner Brothers, CBS Home Entertainment, and many more. 
And the best part about Milkrete is how easy they are to find. Milkrete has deals with thousands of big box stores, grocery stores, drug stores, and practically any other retailer you can imagine. Trust me when I say I've owned plenty throughout my time as a collector without even realizing it. They're a name I can trust. Some of my favorite releases include Can't Hardly Wait, Night of the Living Dead, House on Haunted Hill from their Vincent Price collection, the complete series of Quantum Leap, the complete series of The Secret World of Alex Mack, and of course, you're the hunter from the future. Head over to www.milkcreekent.com, that's milkcreekent.com, and see what their collection has to offer. I guarantee you'll find something great. I've missed this. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Games from the 80s. All right. Oh, by the way, Games. before before I actually read my intro, that Crossfire commercial was the coolest thing ever. Right? It it was so much more intense than a game of Crossfire it's actually was. In the future. The ultimate challenge. Crossfire. Crossfire. You get caught up in the Crossfire. No, Crossfire actually kind of hurt too, especially those little pebbles hit your, pink, hit your fingers or whatever. Pink, pink, pink. <laughs> yeah. It was the same thing of Hungry Hungry Hippos. That game was never as near as fun as you're hoping it was going to be. Now we play the waiting game. You know, the waiting game sucks. Let's play Hungry Hungry Hippos. All right. Um, so let's uh, do let's... a little preamble for the cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, how are you, Michael? <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> I don't think it's worth We might just have to do a hard edit into the cell. Right. <laughs> we can't force a preamble. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me is a man making his most triumphant of returns... Nip Richards. Uh, I don't remember that line from the movie though. Uh, I changed my. I changed how it works today. <laughs> okay. um, on today's episode, we'll be discussing two movies over the span of two episodes. So we're giving you guys a little <laughs> bit of fair. inside baseball. First up is a movie on my shame list that was rec- recommended to me back on our Dark City episode, which was pretty early on in our span. Of, I think it was. I want to say it was season one, episode thirteen, something like that. Yeah, so, sounds about right. <laughs> Um, but anyways, that film is Tarsum Singh's The Cell. The Cell is a twisted serial killer film that's part police procedural and part fantastical sci-fi inspired acid trip. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely an odd combination, but comes together in an oddly satisfying way. The film bum, is about bum. the film is about Dr. Catherine Dean, who helps treat coma patients with an experimental virtual reality machine that allows her to go into the dreams of her patients to help communicate with them. While all this is going on, FBI agents Peter Novak and Iron Chef Gordon Ramsay... <laughs> I, yes, I taught that also. <laughs> ...are hot on the tails of a serial killer that has a fascination with turning his female victims into dolls. The FBI are finally able to catch the killer, but a rare disease causes him to fall into a coma. <laughs> so the FBI must get Dr. Dean to help find where a missing girl is being held by going into the dark and twisted dreams of a serial killer. Bum, bum, bum. The film had a mixed reaction from critics, calling it a mess of stunning visuals but lacking in substance. That being said, the film was taken has taken on a new cult following and is arguably one of the most interesting films J.L. ever starred in. <laughs> it also features a fascinating score by Howard Shore. The film stars Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Lopez Vince Vaughn, Marion Jean Baptiste, and Vincent D'Onofrio as serial killer Carl, Carl Rudolph Strager. Is a part of yourself that you don't show anybody when I'm inside. I get to see those things. I feel them. 
feel them. These girls were kidnapped, tortured, and murdered. Our killer is a white male, about 30 years old. Carl Rudolph Starger was at the house under surveillance for about 20 minutes. He keeps them in this thing for about 40 hours. And after 40 hours, the water starts. And it doesn't stop. There is a girl that is missing. Her name is Julia Hickson. He is the only one that knows where she is. If he was conscious, do you think that he would tell you where she is? Are you sure? I'm sure. You bring in this monster, and you're asking her to go into that monster. Plays a character named Valentine. Nice. That's an inside joke That's to right. our Instagram page. It's, it's an inside joke to my Instagram page. Oh, okay. Because if you go on the Amazon X, because I was watching on Amazon and they got this thing called X Ray. When you pause it, it'll show every actor in the scene or any song, and you can click up on it. It'll show you what else they've been in. And okay. I paused it randomly at one point, and uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's dog in the movie had a profile. <laughs> So I clicked on it, and it's got, like, a, a bad screenshot from the movie. And the dog's name is Tim. And it just says, Tim, best known for The Cell. And it says, Tim is an American actor. Like, Tim is an actor. He is a good boy actor. He is a good boy. He is a very good boy. <laughs> He's the only animal that got an acting credit. <laughs> Not the horse? No. Oh, poor horse. <laughs> oh, uh, if but, I, oh, are you still working on Oh, no, that's, that's done. Okay. I had to mention Tim the dog. I, I, if I remember correctly, this was nominated for an Oscar for, um, uh, perhaps makeup effects. Yeah, it was best makeup. Yep. Yep. Um, which I think is cool. Like it's, you always get some of the weirdest films that get nominated for best makeup awards and it's <laughs> right. nice to see that th- some things actually get it. It was also yeah. nominated for a blockbuster entertainment award. <laughs> Nice. What's a blockbuster? <laughs> and Jennifer Lopez won favorite actress in a science fiction movie. Nice. Yeah. So, and apparently there was a World Stunt Awards for a while. Okay. And it best it won for best high work. Whatever that uh, is. I don't really I don't really know would, stunts very well. That references back to the uh, acid trip that you described it I as think in the so. intro. I think so. Uh, okay. Since this is on your shameless. Yes. Um, what were your first uh, thoughts? Uh, what's your your overarching opinion of the cell? Well, when it started, uh, it, you know, with its crazy visuals and it almost kind of felt like an art film. I just remember because, like, um, Amanda, uh, I was watching it with her, and a lot of the times with her, reading a description for a movie does not help her. <laughs> Yeah. decide if she likes something she just, so she just says turn it on whatever so she had no idea what it was about going into it <laughs> and I started the film and I, I just remember looking over at her and being like I have no idea what this movie's about <laughs> <laughs> just to like preface because I had no idea where this movie was going there's J-Lo up. on a horse um, 
And like when she first got out of her dream, I'll be the first to admit, I was like, okay, this seems like it could be interesting. It seems like it could be fun. Um, But for some reason, it started clicking with me right around the time uh, that we met Vincent, uh, not Vincent D'Onofrio's character, Vince Vaughn's character. And then like it just took shift, it took took full attention away from J-Lo and her character. And I was like, oh. This is interesting. How are these two stories going to tie in? Because, you know, you've got Vin, they're looking for a serial killer and all that stuff was really eerie. And I was like, how the fuck are these two stories going to meet? And, but no, I, I, at, the, at the end of the day, I actually really liked it. I, I don't, I couldn't say quite what exactly stopped me from loving it. Yeah. And, um, but I liked it a lot. And I'm surprised. Like, I just, I remember when the trailer for this movie came out when I was a kid. And I was just—I'm surprised I don't hear more people talking about this movie. And that kind of speaks back to the article that you saw that—that uh, was the catalyst for us doing this episode. Um, in that, like, yeah, it is this. It was kind of this. I, I wouldn't say sleeper hit by any means, but it didn't get a lot of attention when it came out um, because of the strong visuals. It has had this ongoing life and and people are really attracted to it um uh for for that reason yeah so so the movie's on my shame list and i've I've already buried the lead and said i liked the movie what (laughs) about when tell me about when you first saw it and what about it attracted you oh god um i i honestly don't remember the first time that i saw it um i'm I'm going to assume it was kind of my my college years when I was starting to watch things like Silence of the Lambs and Dark City and and expand beyond the kind of early 90s horror that I first branched into the genre with, the Freddy Kruegers, the Jason Mm -hmm. Voorhees, Michael Myers. Um, And when I started branching out, this was right around the time The Matrix hit to... Yeah, it does kind of um, have that Matrix. It's like Matrix meets Sounds of the Lambs. Yeah, where like I was starting to just consume a lot of uh, psychological thrillers, uh, dark sci-fi, where where the cell kind of feels to fit. Um, I was really interested in the idea of um, uh, the the idea of going into somebody's subconscious or going into their minds. This is uh, the same things that fascinates me about the the theories behind the singularity and the the fact that uh, I'm convinced I, I say it half jokingly, half seriously that we're all going to have nanobots inside our bodies in the next thirty years that'll keep <laughs> yeah. us alive forever. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Um, what and and if I can go on just a mini tangent, um, I think the only thing stopping a lot of this stuff from being reality um the matrix uh uh the cell all of all of these things all we have to do is digitize how our brain communicates once we can turn the electric signals in our brain into a digital signal in a way that we can send out and in then, like reality as we know it is over so anyway you, it would need to be like johnny mnemonic Right, right. <laughs> Favorite thing about Johnny Mnemonic is the fact that he could fit his entire brain in like less than a gig hard drive. <laughs> well, um, I I have not seen it. However, um, they they do the same idea with the movie Transcendence, not to be confused with my first feature film Transcendence, but um, it was a it didn't do much of anything. Are you familiar with it? Uh, I I know the title. Okay. The uh, it's a Johnny Depp film directed by Christopher Nolan, cinematographer. It was like hit. I do remember this film. Yes, I never saw it, but yes. But it's the same kind of thing where he uploads his consciousness into a computer, um, and wacky hijinks ensue. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so tangent upon tangent. um, Was oh so so that that part certainly spoke to me, Um, and then of course the the heavily art-inspired visuals um, is is hard to not be excited about. No, ex- when, exactly. When, when she f- is first brought to his throne room, like the, the image of him standing and walking forward, pulling these purple 
this purple fabric that is stretched around the entire room, pulling from those rings in his back, rippling along the walls um, like water, which is a, another theme throughout the entire thing. Like, uh, it, it, it was ambitious and visually exciting, um, and, and certainly the story was far from brilliant, yeah. But I, but it also was fine. Like there was, yeah. It there was nothing wrong with it or bad about it. It was kind of typical early two thousands, late nineties uh, flair uh, with an incredible with incredible packaging. Yeah, and I, um, this film while it's two thousand, you know, the first couple years of a new decade still are kind of hold over from the previous one. The thing that uh, like. The the 90s in terms of their horror films, and I definitely consider this a horror film, um, they did start taking on more of that uh, thriller aspect, like something like films like Seven and yeah. Silence of the Lambs, which, um, granted, I was kind of young at the time. Well, I was pretty young during the 90s. <laughs> I wasn't super into a lot of the psychological thrillers because I thought a lot of them were just too much talking. Uh, but looking <laughs> back at it, like, there was a lot of creative ideas and just the way that they melded a lot of these these ideas and you know we're more we're more interested in the mind than body count and, and yeah. visuals like i feel like there was a the 90s has a the 90s and early 2000s have a lot of films that i feel like are going to be looked well upon uh, upon rediscovery yeah and and one thing I will say, like I feel like a lot of this film just felt like a combination of every industrial and heavy metal heavy metal music video from the '90s and 2000s. <laughs> it needed more handheld camera, like like pushing in and rotating around. Like when they first went into Strager's dream, I was like, I was just waiting for Rammstein to pop up. <laughs> um, I, on the topic of what you said, I. I the phrase that keeps popping into my head is ahead of its time, which is a gross over over exaggeration. However, yeah. I, it, well, specifically with how they treated the mind of a serial killer, how Jennifer Lopez's character and, and the movie more broadly didn't demonize him. Yeah, like how how within his own dream they they physically separated. There was the boy that had been abused. Yeah, and then the monster that that he became as a result of that abuse. And I feel like that was uh, again ahead of its time is a is a gross exaggeration. But they were talking about that in a way that more films are now, and and more of our conversation is now. And wasn't so much 20 years ago. Oh my god, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's, it's great too. And that's actually one thing that I liked a lot about it was this, um, you know, because a lot of horror films do a, a pretty bad job at just like making their villains pretty one-dimensional. Yeah. And I liked, yeah. I liked that the first instance we see in this dream is the little boy. Yeah. Um, and I think they even say in the movie that, oh, he's using the child version of his brain to kind of, for lack of a better term, test the waters. Yeah. And to see if, if she can be trusted. So he kind of gave the idea that Strager, his mind wasn't completely gone, and there was a part of him that wanted to reach out. Yeah. And even, it, like, there, there are amazing villains that are multi-dimensional. And we've already mentioned Silence of the Lambs, like Hannibal Lecter and, and Buffalo Bill also. Like, they were, they were multi-dimensional villains. But the movie never, re like, even Hannibal Lecter, you get into his mind a little bit. You can see uh, that he, he's very uh, respectful and, and he has... Uh, and he has positive traits, but they never, like, say, well, there's a really good part to him. Yeah. You know, there's, they never show the conflict of, of, okay, so he is a monster now, but is that, you know, uh, uh, nature versus nurture? Is that, you know, the environment he was brought up in where, where the cell, even towards the end when Jennifer Lopez comes to his house at the end, like, she's still... She she feels for the loss of the boy, mm -hmm. 
that that died you know the the good part of him uh, um, and with the the imagery of the of the blessed virgin that she is what uh, uh, taking on as the little boy is uh, after he's put into her mind um, like of, of her trying to save him mm-hmm it, it, I I haven't seen it to that level in most films, and that was cool. Yeah, and especially a big budget film like this too. Like this got a big release. It was a I I remember seeing the trailers for it when I was a kid. This was a big movie. It had J Lo in it. Like it, it, in J Lo's heyday. Yeah, and it's like this was a big, crazy experimental movie that got a pretty big release. It's actually kind of amazing. Let Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. After this movie, do you feel that she is still Jenny from the Block? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will say because uh, I've been thinking about th- obviously been thinking about this movie quite a bit the last. Couple- you were really happy with that joke. You're still laughing. <laughs> I'm glad that you took it so seriously. <laughs> I was wait- expecting just a-, a giggle, but you're like. <laughs> Let me answer this really <laughs> seriously for you. I just wanted to like point out the fact that she followed the cell with the wedding planner. Uh, a decided improvement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to comment on the fact that like I personally think she was the weakest aspect of this movie. Yeah. I was okay with her. Um, like she, I, she, she wasn't bad, but... Yeah. I just kept thinking that I, I couldn't disassociate her with J Lo. Yeah. Like for yeah. some reason Vince Vaughn Vince Vaughn I could believe in that role and like I don't know for some reason I just kept thinking what is J Lo doing in this movie? I th- I thought uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was the acting highlight for me. Oh, he was great. It's also weird because I'm not used to seeing him so thin. Right. But yeah. his face is still huge. Like it's like oh he's he is the definition of big boned. Yeah. Right. Uh, but no, he's so. F- creepy in this movie and i remember turning one time uh trying to make amanda laugh uh because she she knew his face but couldn't figure out what she would uh what she knew him from and i just looked at her it's like a guy with that haircut has a 99 percent chance of wanting to weaponize raptors <laughs> and it, it eventually caught on to her that he's from jurassic world nature is the gift <laughs> Easy, easy boy, easy. Hey, hey, we're we're on the same side, right? Right? Easy, easy. I'm on your side. Oh, and I also like I, I had kind of the same thing going on in my head when I looked him up. Um, I don't remember which brand of generic tv crime drama he's in but he's in one of them uh, yeah law and order ncis or some one of the procedurals that i never watched (laughs) it is worth mentioning that he got his start in acting because of lloyd kaufman oh that's interesting he's in his he's in one of lloyd's movies called the first turn on okay (laughs) which i kind of love um (laughs) yeah like it's it's a film that I feel like more people need to discover. I think I've already kind of said that already. I didn't take as many notes for this movie, so I'm, I'm trying to like come up with things, more things to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie that I think more people should discover, and I'm also just surprised that it is so hard to find. Like before it popped up on Amazon, I use an app to kind of check to see where think where you can find stuff. You can, you can rent, you can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. You cannot rent it anywhere. You can't even rent it from Amazon. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. It can't be like. It's it's incredibly hard to find. I don't think it's got any sort of a Blu-ray or DVD release, or it's probably got like its original DVD release. I don't think it's got anything like a Blu-ray release or anything. And I just feel like this movie is going is sorry, Frankie came upstairs I've, and she distracted me. Frankenstein. <laughs> um, I feel like it's ripe for discovery, rediscovery, and I'm I'm hoping that article that I shared to you and then this podcast makes people go and watch it because it's fascinating. There's like little character traits that I like that, you know, 
for example, let's use um, Vince Vaughn's character, Peter Novak, as an example, where um, I was, like, looking for little things. Like, I love that he's got his little horseshoe ring yeah. that he wears. And then it has that great line when he goes into her dream, and he just, I think she says something along the lines of, uh, be lucky. And it's not like, they never, I don't remember them ever saying anywhere in the movie where he's like, I'm so lucky, I'm a lucky guy. It's like, you see the horseshoe ring, and there's that line, and you kind of build the character trait from there, but it's not ever overtly stated. And it's just little things like that I like. I like that um, J-Lo's character has a, um, a history in social work. And that explains a lot about her character. It's not she's not just a psychologist. She used to work with at-risk kids. So I don't know. There's just a lot going on in it, and then you know Gordon Ramsay's in it, <laughs> right? So there's so there's that. Um, for, forgive me for looking down. I was uh, prepping my my next thing I wanted to talk about, and that's the very clear artistic inspiration points, like how the production design pulled from a few select artists very strongly yeah some of the some of the stuff felt very much like it was inspired by artwork but i'm not much of an art guy myself so i couldn't yeah. i couldn't pick out anything specific but i was like this feels inspired by something yeah the um here's some of the ones from this list that i found um uh damien hurst uh, British art scene during the 90s, uh, most notably the, the horse being sliced up. Yeah, that was... That's a, it, that CGI in that scene was simultaneously really good and really terrible at the same time. It was, yeah. really, it was really confusing for me. I, I thought it was it was poor by today's standards, but in a way that worked in that dreamlike scenario. Yeah, I, I, I definitely felt there was some influence from H.R. Geiger, but any, no one can do dark stuff like this without geiger being involved that's the very next one on the list (laughs) yes that's the only one i could probably call out by name uh the the kind of alienish darkness to some of the things yeah and like i said you can't do anything dark without geiger being an influence of some way odd nerdrum that's the best name ever Besides having a sweet-ass name, Odd Nerdrum is Norwegian and made a name for himself by doing art that was not so agreeable to Norway's standards at the time. Um, That's the second best name I've heard. The first, first best name is, a, is I think, a, a director by the name of Nimrod Antel. Nice. Also on that last list, Max Powers. He's the name you want to touch. <laughs> but you mustn't touch. Um, if you recall the... Um, the, I think it's the first thing that Vince Vaughn's character sees when when he enters is the three women, kind of like propped up in a similar streaming fashion. Yeah, that was really fascinating. That that's this artist there. Hmm. Um, then the the brothers Quay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know them. Okay. Not personally, but you know. <laughs> yeah. They 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 do a lot of stop motion work. Uh, and then Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson are referenced here. Um, Madonna is referenced. Like a virgin, got it. Uh, specifically that rotating cube when they see the dream version of the tank. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, just... Uh, um, uh, that that amalgamation of those different art inspirations is is certainly responsible for what elevated this beyond um, just your average track down the serial killer kind of movie. No, and actually, in, in a lot of ways too, it kind of reminded me of a David Lynch film. Okay. Um, I think David Lynch is he usually gets a lot more out there. Um, visually, I think it reminds you of David Lynch film, but David Lynch's stories usually are a lot more out there. Yeah. And a lot harder to pinpoint. <laughs> like, um, I'd be really fascinated. The, the, the screenwriter is a guy named Mark, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Protosevich. Okay. Um, and I'd be, I'd love to read his script for it to see how much of this came from his script or if it was sure. like for, you know, a pretty basic police procedural that, the um the director came in and just yeah made crazy um, yeah or even some some inspired production designers 
Yeah. Um, you know, where, yeah, where that all, um, which people brought which pieces. Yeah, because, like, it's, um, one thing I'm always jealous of, of, of filmmakers like Tarsim Singh is my brain doesn't work in this way. <laughs> where it's I love films that have this this feeling and this vibe that movies like The Cell do. I just know I can never think like that. Okay. And it, I'm but, constantly at awe of these people. But filmmaking is so collaborative. Like it's yeah. so rarely one person that's doing it. Yeah. Um so you know, uh, we as filmmakers don't we we only need to bring a piece of inspiration and then all so many of the best artists are as good as they are because they surround themselves with other compelling, interesting, off-the-wall thinking artists. Oh, and that's completely true. It's just when you're, when you're at a certain point early on, you know, like, I'm going to use David Lynch again. When David Lynch did Eraserhead, it was pretty much just him thinking all these crazy yeah. thoughts and um <laughs> like i couldn't even like even with the like production a, a great production designer I, I don't think i could have come up with some of the ideas that happened in this and be able to explain to them how i you know because like it's it's usually a good production designer will will go off of something the director says and that will influence what they're doing it's 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 hive mind type thing but like yeah. you need that kernel of the idea and I'm always just fascinated by films like this that are able to get this weird. Same thing with uh, Dark City. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I mean, maybe I'm just being too uh, congratulatory, but like, take your, your the last strip that you sent me was the Dial G for Guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I think you have that. Oh, I appreciate that. I and and with. Um, a handful of really talented people that believe in that idea like you i don't think you're as far off as you think you are well, from, i appreciate from hearing all that. Of these other people yeah but this is not nearly as fun for people listening about us they don't know what we're talking about and but i appreciate you saying it. <laughs> you're, you're welcome if you guys want to read my new my newest script uh you know personal message me i'll send it your way <laughs> It's called Dial G for Guillotine or A Farewell to Arms. <laughs> but um <laughs> It's such a jokey title for such a non-jokey movie. <laughs> Which is beautiful. <laughs> uh, and maybe someday there'll be two nerds talking about that and saying, I wish I could think of an idea like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna be us. It's gonna be our kids one day. Our right. kids our kids are gonna continue on this show. <laughs> Actually, that'd be the greatest thing ever if one day like, yeah. when our kids got older, they wanted to take the reins of the Shameless Picture Show and it becomes like a thing that we pass down. That would be the greatest thing right. ever. Or they, or we had stopped and they dust off some old hard drives, the old cloud yep. storage. <laughs> They're like, we need to do this. We're getting the band back together. It starts with like a bunch of episodes that we never got a chance to cut together because either we died or got lazy. Who knows? Right. And then they were like, you know what? We got to finish these episodes, man. And it just kind of spirals. So I'm, it's um, it's, good, it's kind of wonder, weird to think about. Like, will podcasting still be a thing? Right. Well, the nanobots in our bodies will like be talking to each other, and it'll be micro podcasts. Yeah, pretty much. You won't need not, you won't need microphones anymore. Right. <laughs> it's just gonna be like uh, it, since uh, I just got uh, just did a review for Community for um, uh, Mill Creek. I've been watching a lot of that show. Have you ever seen it? I've seen one or two episodes. I've seen several clips. I want to watch it more, mostly because I'm in love with Donald Glover. Donde esta la biblioteca? Me llamo Tibón, la araña discoteca. Discoteca, muñeca, la biblioteca. Es un bigote grande, pero manteca. Manteca, bigote, gigante, pequeño. Cabeza es nieve, cerveza es bueno. Buenos días, me gustas papas frías. Bigote de la cabra, es camarón días. With the, oh, Donald Glover and uh, I can't remember uh, Daniel Putty or Daniel Pudi, they do yeah. a, a a morning show throughout the span of the show, but they don't have any cameras. Yeah, I did see one of those clips. <laughs> so it, that would be us just podcasting. Is me, uh, us? There's no cameras. There's no microphones. We're just talking to each other through nano clips. 
Why did you wake me up then? <laughs> um, you can now buy the show from Milk Creek, or it's at your your local Best Buy. Nice. All six seasons for a low, low price. <laughs> Thank you, Milk Creek. <laughs> um, anyways, let's get back to <laughs> to do the sell. Because uh, I didn't take any notes this week because I was trying to fit all these movies in. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about when it comes to the sell? I feel like we're, there's things that we're missing to there's, talk about, but like I do kind of agree with the critics where there's not, in terms of story, there's not a whole lot to delve into. There's not a whole lot to talk about. It's like if this film would have been made without these visuals, it'd be a pretty forgetful, forgettable movie. I, I think, and, and I already mentioned it briefly, I think what fascinates me about the story, you know, remove the visuals, is the um the way that they treated the mind of a serial killer yes um the the way that they you know um uh, vince vaughn's character and jlo's character each represented a a perspective on the mind of a serial killer where vince vaughn was like he's doing something bad that's all that matters i'm going to stop him from doing this bad thing and then jlo's this is a person who horrible things happen to him and he is damaged and I would like to fix him or at least recognize that he isn't the monster that society... Fr- he isn't exclusively the monster that society frames him as. And I think yeah. that's fascinating. And, and one thing... Subtle, it, you almost lose that under all of the visuals. And one thing that I think the film does do really well is all the characters are very well written. Yeah. Like, I, I find myself, like, um, Vince Vaughn's not just a one-sided police officer um j-lo is not just a one-sided psychologist like i you find yourself really caring about them like when when vince vaughn is really trying to find this kidnapped girl you don't feel like he's doing it just because it's his job but because he legitimately cares and you get that when when he tells his backstory about being a lawyer which by the way the fact that he had he could go to law school and become part of the fbi at his age i call bullshit (laughs) <laughs> he's ambitious um but like i find but myself, you had no problem with duty hauser <laughs> i have a lot of problems with duty <laughs> okay well that's fair um but i find myself liking all the characters and it's like little things like his his shamrock is a horseshoe ring um it's kind of added to all that and yeah like even even like the side the smaller characters like um like Marianne Jean Baptiste or Dylan Baker, who plays the Henry West, he's the guy tinkering with the machine. While they don't get a lot of screen time, they feel like real people. Yeah, they they never feel like generic tech number two. Yeah, and that's hard to do. It's yeah. hard to do for people for characters that you see in very short bursts to feel like real people. Um, and it really takes good writing, good directing, and good acting to yeah. to be able to do that. If you miss one of those, then it falls flat. Like, I'll, I'll even like we're not going to talk too heavily on this topic because I am still going to do event, eventually an episode on it. But the new Halloween actually does that really well, where everyone feels like a real person. Oh, nice. But uh, no, I I want more people to see this movie. Cool. Cool. Like, I think that's, I, it's kind of a short, concise episode for the cell. Yeah. Well, uh, have you... Um, you said you've been watching Community. I'm trying to think of what else I've watched lately. Yeah, tell me a little bit about what, you, what you've been um, watching, if you have been watching. Uh, I, I did. I busted out Christmas movies earlier, so I've already watched Elf, Miracle on 34th Street, of course, some of the horrible, cheesy Netflix direct to video style oh ones. my god the the new one with kurt russell coming out looks awesome though where he plays santa claus yes that looks awesome <laughs> um i need to pull out scrooged soon that's another i need to buy it i it's a movie that i've been meaning to buy for for me a lot of what i've been watching for our anniversary amanda got me this this collection called celebrating mickey it's okay. a it's a collection of 13 cartoon classic mickey mouse cartoons starting from steamboat willie and on nice. so i've been watching a lot of classic mickey cartoons i watched dr no for last well actually it wasn't originally for last week's episode just i just put rear speakers in and wanted to wanted to watch a james bond movie and my buddy <laughs> kyle hadn't seen it so we just that, okay that episode came together last minute like literally <laughs> the day before um and then watching stuff for amanda's film class i like we watched the cabinet of dr caligari and nice so it, almost everything i've been watching has been for the show 
So I have been at the station. I started playing old public domain films. Cool. On, uh, Talbot County Public Access Station. Um, so uh, what was some of the last ones we did? Uh, oh, okay. So uh, I, one of the ones that we played for Halloween reminded me of what I've actually been watching lately. I knew there was something big. Um, uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yes. That show was great. I, yes, yep. Um, the the movie that triggered it was uh, House on Haunted Hill, mm-hmm. of course, with Vincent Price, uh, which we played back-to-back with uh, The Last Man on Earth. Two of my favorites, thank you. Two, both Vincent Price, public domain films. Um, so it's, we were playing those. It's funny, time. I used to think like both of those movies looked like ass because I only had seen them in public domain fashion. Right. Uh, a company I like called uh, Scream Factory. They actually did cleaned up restorations of both of Ooh, them. Nice. I didn't know the ha- House on Haunted Hill was shot in widescreen. <laughs> nice. I was like, where'd all this extra stuff come from? <laughs> right. Um. So uh, yeah, I really loved that. I I'm hoping. I I don't think they've said officially that there's going to be additional seasons, but I'm hoping that. A that the that family's story is done because I think their story has been told completely, but yeah. that they go back into the story of some of the other ghosts from the house. I agree. Like I would like to see that that family. I think is done. Um, but I also really like the director Mike Flanagan who did it. Um, his first film Oculus I liked but didn't love. Pretty much everything he's made since then, whether that be Hush or Gerald's Game, have all been great. I have only seen uh, the Oculus, um, and yeah, I had I had mixed feelings about it. It was it was okay. Uh, it was a little scattered, yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but Haunting was superb. I loved that they didn't rely very much on jump scares. With, with very few exceptions, there were very few yeah. jump scares. And, and that being said, when there were jump scares, my favorite thing about them is they did a lot of unmotivated jump scares, meaning they didn't use music to motivate your feelings. There was right. a lot of times where something would happen and they wouldn't draw attention to it. Or the fact that every episode had hidden ghosts. Oh, yes. And me and Amanda caught one of them one time, and it was the scariest thing of that episode. They, they, they don't move at all. They yeah. just sit. The, so it's not trying to draw your attention. And what's so great about what what I felt was so great about the hidden ghosts is once you realize that that's a reoccurring thing, you start to feel the paranoia of being in that house because the action is and and they do a really good job of framing their shots to yeah. encourage you to be looking at things other than the action, the main action. And that's, that's taking place. and that's something I love. Like actually, the original Halloween does that very well as well. Yeah. Um, but no, I I love that you're constantly scanning around, and it's also had one of like without spoiling, and I'm probably gonna. Um, I'm probably going to red act the name so that way people at home don't get spoiled. But everything with Nelly was the saddest fucking thing. Yeah. And then her, and yeah, that was the saddest fucking thing for me. Did you see slash hear uh, the, I'm pretty sure confirmed fan theory that the five kids represent the five stages of grief? Yeah. And then like once I, I read that, I was like, oh, that all makes complete sense. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool element. That's the kind of thing that like makes me excited to write again. Is like, oh, oh totally. So it's so smart, and so simple, and they didn't like. Again, they didn't like beat you over the head with, "Boy, you're really grieving." Wink, wink. You know. It's, yeah. Um, I I think that's really smart, right? And and then like, like I said, I'm, I might cut this part out too, so that way it doesn't spoil. But like when when I'm pro spoiler, <laughs> it's still a relatively new show. <laughs> Um, so that's the only reason, because like, I might have to put a, a little warning that, so people know that we're talking about. There you um, go. When, the moment when Steven realizes he's been seeing ghosts the entire time. Yes, really with the clock maker. Me. Yes. Yeah. That was uh, great. And, and not just that, but the way that the dad handled, the way that that information was presented to the audience through the father, I think was really smart. Like, you, you said it right in your book. And and then mm-hmm. read the passage. He's like, "Yeah, but that wasn't. No, no. I'm talking about the clock repairman that you passed by." Um, and, and 
it, it was so beautiful. It was such the, this little detail that he didn't even question, but that that was a dose the whole time. It was, it was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think th- th- this first episode is um, pretty much done. What do you think? We, we wrap it? Yeah. Wrap it, um, and then we do a, we, we do an intro for the next episode. Tag it and bad it. Yep. All right, Nick, is, as always... It's been great talking to you. I'm glad I was yep. able to get you back on the show for an episode. Absolutely, won't be my last. It's, it's because it's, we're doing another one today. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's also been it's it's been weird. Like it, it, it there's been times where it's I'm not gonna lie. It's been a couple times where it's been nice because like la- I can just get someone last minute. I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do? Oh, I've got friends who have no wives. So I can just so. pull them in. <laughs> Um, but then there's been other times I'm like, man, I don't know what to do, and I wish I had Nick here and all these other things. But it's it's been I feel like I've become a better podcaster having to scramble and figure things out. Oh, great! <laughs> but um, it's never going to be as good as when you're on the show. Oh, thank you. I I think it's been great, and uh, the numbers look good. People are listening. Yeah. And some of the, some of the episodes have been weirdly surprising hits. Uh, it looking over it, it seemed like the episodes where you discuss multiple movies they always seem to, to kill. Seem to do really well. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know. If that's necessarily a thing I want to always do because it requires me to make lists and have to. Like I feel like that will require me to watch more movies depending on what type right. of list we do. But I like doing those as special episodes. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, like our our um our slow burn horror movie episode is doing pretty well right now. Um, all right, well, um, thanks for joining us, us back again. Yeah. Um, and Michael, I will talk to you in about now. <laughs> yeah. Well, real quick, just because I, I I I've I've been told I need to start adding this stuff at the end. As ah, always, yes, yeah. as always, you can find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music soundcloud and stitcher radio you can also follow the show on instagram at shameless picture show thanks like, for listening su- subscribe yeah comment, like share. like review subscribe everything if you like the show tell your friends if you don't like the show tell your friends <laughs> as my eight-year-old daughter says in every conversation like and subscribe exactly Thank you.